Broadcasting from the heart of commie-controlled America, the no-bullshit bearer of doom and gloom, opium-free broadcast, the most important hour of your day. All right, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. My name is Josh, and welcome to the Red Pill Project's Daily Dose. We're live with you Monday through Thursday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. This is where we bring you the unfolding global conspiracy. And a conspiracy it is. And you know what? Honestly, I've come to the conclusion that nothing can stop what is coming. And you know what? We're going to talk a little bit about what that means tonight. You know, if you caught the Dark Delight show, my radio show this morning, you would know a little bit about what we're going to talk about. Uh, maybe do a little bit of history review, go over some news, but also understand <laughs> what, the, what the hell is happening in this world. And I tried to send an email out. Um, like I usually do before the shows, but uh, for some reason the email didn't go out. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna try this again. I'm gonna try to get that email sent out. Uh, but how's it going, Josh? Uh, Jesse, Sean, Blachette, Thank you so much. It is going very very well. I am doing absolutely fantastic. Well rested after last night's uh, concert that I went to. I went and saw Roger Waters. Roger Waters of Pink Floyd. And it was interesting. I saw him a few years ago, and he had, like, Trump up there as a war criminal. This year, he has Biden up there as a war criminal. And not that I disagree with Roger Waters, and I understand his perspective, his humanitarian perspective. Um, and although he is very, very traditional liberal, um, you know, the music still rings true. There's very much truth within the music that they talked about. Um, but it was a great show altogether. Had a great time. And so... Here we are now, today, in this world, and we have a lot of things unfolding that, um, you know, don't necessarily give us a good perspective of the future. We know that when we start looking at November, not only me, but I, I'm telling you, everybody I've been talking to is saying left and right, um, popular, not popular. They're all saying almost the exactly the same thing pertaining to November, that this is almost like, that this is almost like, this is like some red line. Like, like if November goes either way, there is going to be chaos. And, you know, so it gets me thinking about these things, right? And absolutely, when we start looking at it like this, there's various different scenarios that can play out, right? We, we've, we went over this one. We beat this one like a dead horse. Now, but let's think about this. If we go back to November 2020, around that time from October, November 2020, about what I was saying pertaining to what is potentially going to happen in the world, right? We talked about the global firestorm event. We talked about... Trump coming out with a social media platform, which he would utilize as a dis uh, dissemination platform to basically bring truth out. And now maybe they're waiting for closer to the election to do this, but everything is set up for that right now. Um, we talked about how the globalist, the elitist, the multinationalist, the, 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 the deep state here in the United States would come to a point of vulnerability. What do we mean by this? Well, <clears throat> there's only so many moves on the chessboard, right? 
And so as you remove pieces, those moves become less and less and strategy and tactics become more and more. And what we saw, or at least predicted, is that with Trump's four years, they set in set forward certain things that basically limited the moves of the deep state because they are on an agenda. They are on a time frame. I said it back then. It's like they're working towards some type of time frame and that they cannot miss this time frame for whatever reason that might be. So I said that most likely what's going to happen is there's going to come a point to where the world is at this brink of transition into the great reset into the new world order where everything is ready to collapse. The supply chains are cut off and this is all artificial weather manipulations occurring. Um, and it, it pertained a lot to the firestorm event to where you come to criticality within the firestorm event. We are at that point right now. And I said, when we get to that point, that's when the Trump, the Patriots, whoever they are, the people that are fighting for you and me to save this planet, to save this country, that's when they're going to step forward and go, oh, hi, guys, remember us? And begin an offensive. Why? Because this is the most vulnerable point of the world in this transitional phase, but not only for the world, but for the control and power structures that are trying to organize the new world. If that makes sense, is that, yeah, these people are massively powerful, but they brought the world to this point or brink of collapse. And what that does is that destabilizes everything around them and brings about heightened areas of improbability where if certain events begin to occur, they cannot control the outcomes of those events. And this is where the chaos ensues. But it's through this point of vulnerability that the globalists, they want to assure order out of chaos, right? So what they do is they, they control the vulnerability. Then they control the collapse. They, they, they bring about the collapse in a way that they've planned so that the implementation of their solutions can be systematic, right? And so if something goes in there and it interferes with that collapse, with that process, with that controlled chaos, you get actual chaos, which is unpredictable. And this is what I was been talking about all along is this point of vulnerability we've been waiting for is now arrived. I mean, you just go out there and look at the news today. It's all there. I mean, China is under the, some of the worst economic conditions that it's been in and in, in decades. It has a massive drought. The, the two main rivers in China are almost dried up. They're almost close to a famine. You have the whole Western and Southern United States under a massive heat wave. You have a drought conditions. You have the energy grid past its max. Okay. And we're rolling in the winter. We have Europe talking about winter in Europe. They are facing one of the worst energy crises, crises in Europe in history. And what's Russia do? Eh, we're going to pull our stuff back. Why? Because we're dealing with asymmetrical warfare. We're dealing with multiple aspects of warfare that are occurring in this world right now by power figures who are seeking to control the world, to control the chaos and instill their solutions for that chaos. Actually, the the email that, that I sent out from uh, Red Pills TV, I want to I actually read my summary because I thought it was pretty good. It is inevitable. The forces, uh, the forces that be are clashing for power of earth. 
Everything from economic warfare, psychological warfare, to environmental warfare are being played out. The multi-headed hydra is destabilizing and the power structures are becoming vulnerable. This is the time where the good guys fight back and go on the offensive, so it begins. Now, if you're new here and you don't know what I mean by the multi-headed hydra, uh, I, I've been studying the, 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 the occult and the secret society aspect of this for a very long time. And what you find out is that not everybody's on the same page. That uh, Dr. John Coleman wrote a, a book and then a series or a seminar called The Committee of 300, which, which turned into a documentary of just him talking on stage. Dr. John Coleman, former Central Intelligence, former MI6, he came out, saw who really ruled the world and started investigating it. And he came out with what's known as the Committee of 300. The Committee of 300 deals with various different factions that control these secret societies and these globalists. This talks about the 13 Illuminati bloodlines. This talks about the old black Italian nobility. Um, if you don't know about the old black Italian nobility, these are ancient Phoenicians that left Phoenicia. They emigrated into Rome and started systematically taking over education arts and sciences, culture, religion, and politics. Wow, does that sound familiar? Like their playbook doesn't change. And then they now are the Vatican, the aspects of the church. So this is the old nobility within those aspects, the old Phoenician cults. So you have these various aspects that have controlled the world for, for centuries, millennia, okay? And at, in the 1990s, John Coleman estimated there's about 300 people that sat at this table. This would be like the Bilderberg Group meetings, right? Um, I, I would extend that now to about 3,000. That there's about 3,000 people that sit at this table that help to make the decisions of the transition of where the world is heading and what is coming next. Now, of these people, even if it is 300, of these people... Not all of them want doom and gloom. Not all of them want humanity to the perish. Not all of them want population control. Not all of them are eugenicists. Not all of them are Nazis or fascists. Okay? We have to understand that. Is that there is good within the world. And there are people in these higher echelons that are traditionally good. And this is what draws about what we call the War of the Roses. Right? It's when... This, this global cabal has multiple heads, and each head rules and controls over their own faction. And these factions begin warring amongst each other. That's where we're at right now. I've been saying this for years, and nobody believed me. I, was, I remember I was being on American Media Periscope with Sean Morgan, and I'm telling him China has gone rogue. They've teamed up with with Russia, and they're forming their new alliance. And they're going to take in the Taiwan, and Russia's going to expand into Europe. And they're going to basically press against the NATO nations and the United Nations. He's like, no, that's crazy. China's part of the, the globalists. They're like the head guy. I'm like, no, no. And now everybody is singing the tune that I'm talking about. Oh, my God, China's creating the BRICS alliance. This is, uh, I wanted to say this is what we talked about last night. I think we talked about it a night ago. Or no, uh, Dr. Uh, Kirk Elliott and myself talked about this this morning. Is that what China Russia and all these other BRICS nations are doing are protecting themselves from the fallout of the globalists. But essentially what they've done is reorganize the globalist plan with their factions, right? They sit at the table, they've organized with their factions to retain their sovereignty, to retain their wealth, to not be affected by anything that the Western nation does. 
which means that the westernized version of the new world order, the techno-fascist, commio-socialist, whatever you want to call it, oligarchical controlled state, right, really can't succeed. And the reason it can't succeed, because you almost got 50% of the world's population under the BRICS nations, right? We have Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Turkey, all joining. Turkey, by the way, is a NATO nation. They will be probably your lifetime member. They'll probably be kicked out of NATO because of that or voted out of NATO because of joining the BRICS alliance. And when they join the BRICS alliance, what's going to happen then is this is an economic financial alliance that is basically dependent upon what we would look at as the new Silk Road, okay? And so as this formulates, this becomes a military alliance. And I, it, it's just hard to look at this stuff and not really see what is really going on behind the scenes. But basically, I don't like China. I'm not too fond of Russia, right? Although Russia, I think, probably has a little bit more freedom than we have right here in this country right now. But I, I wouldn't want to live in China. I, I never want to live in China. China it doesn't have a United States Constitution. They don't have a constitution which guarantees the protection of their God-given rights, okay? We're the only country in the world that actually has that. So just because China might be fighting against a globalist, you got to remember the enemy of my enemy is my friend, and that's where we're at today. Now, this could have been something that Donald Trump planned, and this is what he negotiated. And he got Russia and Helensky together. He got Russia together in Helensky. He got China together in Beijing. And they talked about this and said, hey, look, this is, this is what we need to do to take them down, is you guys need to rise up in a separate faction and fight against them. And that gives the United States the ability to basically clear out this election mess and get the right people in the places of power to where we become isolationist during this big global war that occurs between the power of the Euro, Euro nations, the Anglo-Saxon, the Australian nations against these Indo-Pacific Eastern European nations. So... This is kind of what we, I call the unfolding global conspiracy. The unfolding global conspiracy is the implementation of this multiple-headed Hydra's agenda. Now, here's the thing. Nothing can stop what's, what's coming. I want you to understand this. What do I mean by that? I mean specifically that... Whoop, I went dark. Look at that. I wanted to make sure everybody had the stream going. thought I, I heard a whole bunch of people. Lucas, look. I don't know how you ended up there, buddy. All right, Lucas, look. What's up, memer? We got the, the meme king out there, Lucas, look, on Rumble. But... Time to come in here. Okay. I got I to gotta regain my bearings. I had Lucas, look, going through my mind. So... We had these multiple factions. We had destabilization of the global community, but nothing can stop what's coming. <clears throat> There is going to be a new world order. Hate me if you want, okay? At some point in the future of humanity, 100 years, 1,000 years, two years from now, I don't know, there will be a one world government. Why? Because it is just the track of evolution of a planetary society. As the planetary society starts expanding out into their own solar system, starts inhabiting other planets and moons and expanding beyond their own solar system to you know, other places, you will begin to see the formulation of a one world government, right? This organizational structure. It, that's, that's okay. That's natural. 
But what we don't want is we don't want the techno-fascist, totalitarian-controlled, oligarchical-ruled New World Order, which is dependent upon fascism. It's dependent upon totalitarianism. It's dependent upon the suppression of your rights, your liberties, and your freedoms because there's just too many of you that you guys could get dangerous. No, no. Instead, what we want is we want some type of world community, a global community where nations work together, kind of what the League of Nations was really meant to be, what the United Nations transferred from the League of Nations into be, was a collaborative platform where sovereign nations come together and discuss the future of how the world will unravel. And instead of social engineering the world, right, they deal with the problems. They help deal with the problems and they help facilitate the change that is occurring. And they do it on a very humanistic scale. And there's no profit motivation involved. This is kind of what we want. And that's very similar to what the BRICS nations are doing right now. Is they, they have gold-backed currencies, right? They have gold-backed currencies. They're, um, what else? They have gold-backed currencies. Well, that's the only really good thing. And, and so they found a way to get around Western sanctions. What else are they doing? Each country retains its own individualized sovereignty. And this is really, really um, valuable to a lot of the countries that are looking to join the BRICS nations. So I wanted to put that out there, that nothing can stop what's coming. And if you go to the Q post, if you go to the Q boards, Q doesn't say we're going to show you a whole new America, right? I want to show you this because I think this is kind of important. Let me find this post right here. There's a few of them out there, right? I want to find these posts because they're important to understand. Excuse me. What perspective that Q had on what comes out of this, right? So let me find these ones. They're um, unity creates peace. Unity is humanity. The world is what we make it. Very, very true. That's one thing that he says right there. The world is waking up. Think of worldwide awakening. But then we have to take this perspective as well, is that if the whole world is waking up, then what does that mean for when humanity wakes up and takes back the world? We no longer have a singular United States of America. We have this whole global community that is embraced within this idea of God-given rights and freedoms. And so that's one thing that we have to keep in mind is that whatever comes out of this is bigger than you and I. It's bigger than the United States of America. And I think that this is the perspective that Q was taken on this. I, there's a thousand posts in here, but let me, let me find the ones I'm looking for. I know, it, I know the keywords. Oh, um, oh. Brave new. All right, this is what he says right here. We're going to show you a new world. Those who are blind will soon see the light. A beautiful, brave new world lies ahead. We take this journey together one step at a time. Now, think about that. He's not talking about Restoring everything to the way it was. Bringing the United States of America back to the way. No, no, no. They're talking about the creation 
of a whole new dynamic of a global community. And you got to think about how this actually operates. Is when we win, when God wins here, okay, what's going to occur? The whole world will have become awoken. This means that tyrannical governments will no longer have strongholds over their people. This means that these various different parliamentary and democr- uh, democracies around the world, which grant their people various different freedoms through the rule of decree, will no longer have power over those people. People will demand and declare that I have rights from my creator and governments are instituted amongst men to protect and preserve those rights. That's what I believe he's saying here is that it's not, it's going to be like the United States constitution, 1776 globally. And that anything that formulates out of this is going to be derived from this idea, this conceptualization that we can never let these people get that powerful again to where they, they take over us. They, they, they social engineer the world. They, they utilize psychological warfare against us and that they suppress our rights and freedoms. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to remove money from politics Hey, get rid of the lobby in Washington, D.C. Make, make politicians absolutely nonprofits, which means that if you're going to go serve your country as a public servant, okay, that, that two years, that four-year term, whatever it is that you're in there, okay, the, the government pays for your rent, they pay your, for your food, they pay for your transportation, but you receive no pay. And if you are caught doing any deals within that time, making any money off of the information that you are privy to, you're hung. Okay. After the four years, four years after you're out, if any of those laws that you put into effect of financially benefit you four years after effect, you're hung. If you did that, politics would be boring and easy. And see, that's the idea is that we want people who want to serve the people, not serve themselves. And this is the beauty, beautiful thing about politics, is that you can derive this by removing the monetization aspect away from the political structure. But see, what we've done since 1900 in the adding of the lobby is we've perverted it. We've exploited it. So... We need to remove the money aspect. And maybe this is what kind of we're hinting towards. A beautiful, brave new world lies ahead uh, to take this journey together one step at a time. And this means that we have to go through this darkness. We have to go from darkness into light. Darkness into light represents this transitional phase that we're going into. Joe Biden has declared it dark winter. He's declared war on MAGA. He's came out and said specifically that MAGA is extremist. Not only that, I mean, what what do we have here? Uh, We can go over that here in a second. New poll finds majority of Americans believe Biden's anti-MAGA speech was meant to incite conflict. Wow. Listen to that. Kathy Griffin, the the liberal head-holding orange man piece of shit out there, said, if you you don't want a civil war, vote Democrat in November. If you want a civil war, vote Republican. That's what she wrote. On Twitter today. They have waged all out war on you and I. Now go back two and a half years to something I said on this show specifically. And what was it? I said they just formed a coup 
I'm the standing president of the United States of America. They just silenced 71 million Americans overnight. They will never give back power. You can go and rip it from their hands. They don't care. They're not giving back power. They will scorch this earth and kill every human being on it before they ever give back power. Please understand that. That's why when I talk about what happens in November, I am incredibly serious with these potential outcomes that can happen. The cat, the cat 25 is like, no hope. No, 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 no. We're not talking about that. What we're talking about is how this all unfolds. Hope, hope for what? Hope that the Republicans win the Senate and Congress and everything's hunky-dory and we go in there and justice is served? That's not going to fucking happen. You know, and anybody who's telling you that, they're, they're delusional. These people stole an election. They formed treason, sedition against the American people. These are crimes punishable by death. Do you think they're going to let American first candidates go into the Senate and the House and provide impeachment proceedings against Joe and Kamala, uh, start an investigation in the 2020 and start bringing in people and arresting them? Do you think they're going to allow that to happen? Eh, we formed a coup. We'll just let them come into power. No, no, they're not. Absolutely. No, they're not. Right. So in knowing that, and knowing that they're not going to give up power, then the outcome of the election, of the midterm elections, becomes incredibly vulnerable, right? We have the various different scenarios that play out. Republicans win the House and the Senate. That is most likely what is going to happen. Republicans are going to win the House and Senate. Okay. They're going to cheat probably on the Senate, steal three or four seats, which they have the majority and they're happy because they, now they have secured the executive branch and now they secured the Senate. The Senate has always been the goal. Remember, Q? Senate has always been the goal. Okay. So that's the most likely scenario. They cheat. They steal a few elections. They get the Senate. If that doesn't happen, if let's say the Republicans win the Senate and the House, you will see martial law some point in time after the elections. There will be riots in the street, Antifa, BLM, completely chaos, martial law declared, habeas corpus suspended. The elections will be, the, the election actual results will be suspended. The, the Congress and Senate will not be able to take over in January. The Democrats will come out and contest it and blame it on voter fraud and say that the Republicans cheated. Projection, right? That's one scenario. That leads to civil war. That leads to kinetic conflict in the streets between the left and the right. Babalu, thank you so much, Babalu. Much appreciated for that donation. We need to abolish our system. Dems and Republicans, too damn corrupted. I agree with you 100%, Babalu. So that's one scenario. The other scenario is the Democrats win the House and the Senate through cheating because that's the only way they can win. Okay, if they, if they win the House and the Senate through cheating, what happens then? Do you think right now is fueled as everything is that we're 70 plus million conservatives are going to stand by and allow that to happen. No, sorry. It's just not going to happen. There would be some type of 
conflict that arises from that. And this is what, if you look at the narrative of which the Biden regime has been setting up since they took power, this is exactly what they've been preparing for. They've been preparing for, uh, for a uprising from the right to, to basically silence it before it ever happens. Okay, this is with in coordination with the DHS, the three letter agencies, the FBI. We've seen the documents. We know the documents are out there. Uh, We know that these documents bring about the ability to obtain funding for investigation. That's the key part is they produce these documents and they keep them classified or um, on their desks, uh, you know, only circulated inside or they release them out to the public because when those documents are created and that information leads to a trail, they can now receive funding for the investigative purposes of that. So, which means that there's investigators out there investigating everything that we're doing here, everything that we're talking about here. Why? Because they've labeled us through the DHS do- uh, documents as domestic terrorists, as extreme extremists. But they're not doing that at the Antifa, they're not doing that at the BLM, which believe in political violence. So, there's two scenarios of how the election unfolds that both lead to a, a bad, bad situation. What's another scenario, right? What's another scenario? So, well, that's actually three scenarios. We have the Democrats win, the Republicans win, and then there's a shared house. Either way, if the Republicans win the house and the Democrats win the Senate and they steal it, I don't believe that Republicans are going to, uh, um, I I don't believe the Republicans, the the mainstream Republicans are going to do anything. Like, yeah, at least we got the house, man. That's pretty cool. I think that's going to be the majority of Republicans. But I'm going to think that there's the truth moving out there that's going to say, no, there's voter fraud. No, there's voter fraud. And we need to investigate. We need to investigate. It's going to get stomped down like 2020, right? And uh, we're going to see some type of reaction from that. It's probably the least reactive aspect that I've seen in the sense of uh, predictable analytics of what's going to happen that leads to the less um, kinetic type of of uh, outline, right, or uh, of outcome. What are the other possible scenarios? The other possible scenarios is Donald Trump gets indicted before the election. Very good possibility. December 30th, his passport is flagged. On 11-3, he's arrested. Very good possibility. Donald Trump, you go to that first Q post, you remove HRC, you put in DJT. Now it all begins to make a lot more sense, doesn't it? Okay, so if that happens, they will suspend the elections indefinitely because there will be riots in the street because Trump, MAGA, those people will rise to the streets. Then you also have the set of narrative that they've already strung along, three-letter agencies, so on and so forth. They're extremists. We arrested their leader. Now they're coming after us. See, we need to declare martial law. See how they do that? So that's one potential. Another potential is they indict or arrest Donald Trump. So after that, another narrative is that something globally happens. Now, we have a wild card here, okay? The wild card is China. Now, globally, every single country right now in the world is feeling what is happening socially, economically, financially, um, politically. They're they're feeling the, the vulnerability that the whole world has been put in, okay? So, Why is China the wild card for the 2020 midterm elections? I've talked about this numerous times. We have the leaked audio from Lude Media, from Jennifer Zhen, talking about the secret meeting of generals 
in uh, Guangzhou province in China, one of the uh, coastal provinces there, in the sense of what their preparations that they're doing in getting ready to invade Taiwan before November of 2022. Why would they pick that date, November 2022? Because you have to understand, with Democrats in power, Joe Biden in the White House, Nancy Pelosi in, in Congress, right? And Kami Kamala over basically having oversight over the Senate with Democrats in control. The Chinese have enough dirt and power and control over them to really do anything that they want globally. Okay? That makes sense. If American first candidates win the Senate and the House, China no longer can do what they want. Because those American first candidates now come out and start putting out sanctions. They know Donald Trump will come back soon after this because they will impeach Joe Biden. They will find errors within the 2020 election, which points directly back to China. Okay? So, if China foresees that the Democrats can't steal the 2020 election and there's no hope in sight, what will happen is China will invade Taiwan before the 2020 election. And the reason, or 2022 midterm election, and the reason they would do that is because if America first candidates came in and we get a strong American president, Republican president come in after Joe Biden gets impeached and all this stuff, China basically goes back to isolationist militaristically. They no longer have a forward progression on Taiwan because the United States would immediately begin beefing up their military, so on and so forth. Which means that China would be in a very, very bad economical, social, and environmental situation. Like I told you, they're having massive droughts. droughts. Their, their crops for the year are completely destroyed because of the heat wave and because of the droughts. Uh, we have massive runs on the banks. We have global systematic, uh, financial systematic collapse imminent in China, Evergrande scandal. We have the uh, Hendong province banks. They are in trouble, and they're offloading U.S., Japanese, and European debt like never before. Why? Because that's one way that they can counteract the economic warfare that's being done against them, because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about environmental warfare, psychological warfare, and economic warfare. So China, they have a decision to make, and they have to make it very, very soon. If they foresee American first candidates coming out of this election successful to where the Democrats cannot cheat and win. And that happens because of the amassing of voters, the amount of voters that actually go out there and vote. There's a certain threshold limit where you can no longer basically steal it with hammer and scorecard on the machines. You can no longer just stuff ballots in the boxes and win an election because there's just because too many in the threshold that you need so much more to cheat, which the numbers become unpredictable and illogical. So they all know this. In knowing this, if China sees that the Democrats can't control it, and the only way that they can move forward would be to declare martial law, they know there would be an uprising, they know it would be a revolt, and that the people would fight back. And this would eventually lead to probably a segregation of the states, a separation of the states, a constitutional convention, a, a basically uh, a declaration, a removing, a removing of the federal contract, and the majority of the states forming their own union. Most likely scenario if that kind of stuff unfolded. That's not good for China. 
because then these states come overpower the military and then the same situation occurs as if Trump was back in the office. So the most logical scenario for China is if they foresee a power transition away from the coup that just occurred in the United States, if they see this power transition, they will invade Taiwan before November 2022. And the reason is because this kicks off the global chaos. If China takes over Taiwan, which they could invade Taiwan and control it within 12 hours, 12 hours is all they need, and China will have succumbed Taiwan. Absolutely, 100%, very, very easy. And the United States can't do shit about it. We just do not have the militaristic force in the South China Sea to defend against that type of incursion. This means that China would control the Taiwanese Straits. This means that China would control 72% of the global chip manufacturing. Um, they would control 84% of global trade. Okay? They, they rule the world at that point. That's important because if Republicans then come in, right? Republicans win here, and now China controls all this, there's nothing those guys can do to stop that. We can't backtrack and go back and say, oh, China, you need to give it up, and you need to go back to your home, and or we're going to go to war with you. We can't fight a war over in that AOR. We, we just can't. We don't have the military. It's going to take a year or two to build up the military under a person like Donald Trump. Okay? So China knows this. Which means that it's the most likely scenario is China is going to invade Taiwan pre-November 2022 because of the unpredictable state of U.S. political, um, the U.S. political movements, right? I see this as the most likely scenario. I see a lot of these kind of unfolding, but what does that also lead to? What happens when China controls global trade and controls the Taiwanese Straits and controls the chip trade? You have global economic panic, collapse, imminent, right? Because now China can withhold. So think about sanctions. What do sanctions do? They limit something to a country. They, they, they stop the country from be joining the SWIFT system, which is international banking systems. They, they stop the supply or they limit the amount of supply. The sanctions only hurt the people and starve the people, right? This is what we did to Iraq in the late 1990s after the first Gulf War, and it killed over 2 million Iraqis. Okay, we starve them to death with sanctions. They are just unjust. They are horrific. And any politician that comes out and says they're doing sanctions on the people, they're killing people. And I don't care if it's Trump or Biden. If you're clapping about putting sanctions on another country, a third world country, that person's a dickhead and he's murdering people. And that's absolutely truthful. So. If China did do this, we will see systematic global financial collapse. Because China just says, oh, you guys don't like what we did? Okay. No more supplies for you. No more manufacturing to you. We'll only do business with BRICS nations. And now all the Western nations turn into third world countries almost overnight. So this is kind of how we have to understand that these scenarios unfold. And to comment on Rebecca, dude, we have the playbook. Uh, you're thinking this is stressful. Uh, Rebecca, I've looked at this 
many, many years. In what Q says in the sense of we know their playbook, what this really means is we don't know exactly what they're going to do, when they're going to do it, but we understand how they unfold their plan. Why? Because they've done it many times before. They've done it throughout history exactly the same way. Nazi Germany, right? We understand how they play the game. And the game, if we go back to game theory, right? If we go back to game theory, when you start moves and counter moves, limiting and relimiting your opponent or your enemy's moves, you have a level of predictive analysis that comes in that determines what their viable solutions are next. If you plan for those viable solutions of where they're going to have to have these solutions in the sense of survivability, then you can counteract all those probable various outcomes. So this is kind of where game theory derives into we know their playbook. We do know their playbook. They're creating a new world order. They're going to release a virus. They will scorch the earth if they lose. They will take everybody down on the planet with them because they will not give up power. We, we understand that playbook. But the question here is what are the various outcomes that are going to occur on this planet that we as people need to be vigilant of and prepare ourselves for, Okay. When we say we have the playbook, you're talking about maybe maybe Trump and some patriots or some military uh, operation that's operating out there, which is great. We don't have it. I know their playbook because we watched it many times. We understand that part of it, right? But here's the thing is if, I, if, you, if we say they, we have their playbook, great. What happens next? I don't know. We'll just have to watch the movie and find out. Fuck that. <laughs> no sense. No offense. Fuck that. I want to know in the sense of a propolistic foundation of what happens next. The reason is, is because I got two little kids. I want to survive. I want to be there for the victory dance, right? I want to be able to look back at this and say that, hey, look, we came out during this whole, this whole thing. And we looked at all the various scenarios and this is the one that played out. And look how many lives that we saved because... We were spot on on the money because we went out there and we analyzed various predictive models of what potentially could happen. And that way people were able to go out there and get prepared before it happened. And this is what ultimately saved America, right? That's what I want to look back and say. And so when we start looking at all these various scenarios, I know that they can be scary. I know they can be shitty, but guess what? Every single one of them, Every single one of these scenarios comes about through systematic global collapse. Supply chain, infrastructure, government, social, cultural, all destabilized. And that has to be done that way. Yes, we have a playbook as well. But that playbook is a perspective of moves and counter moves. It's been a defensive playbook for the last five years since he, they, they intervened with the 16-year plan of Hillary Clinton. Right. And so the playbook that we have is just beginning its offensive now at a certain point of vulnerability within the world and how this unravels. And what, that's what I'm trying to do is I'm also looking at this in the sense that if, if the good guys in the world begin to fight back, how do they do this without systematic global collapse? Global financial collapse. How do they do it without civil war, without World War III breaking out? You have to understand this is almost impossible. 
that the world's not just going to stop one day and, you know, like, okay, guys, we got you. Time to give yourself up. <laughs> it's just not going to happen like that. Here, I, I, well, man, I've been talking for a while. I'll give you an idea. We, we talked about this article the other day. Inside the luxurious doomsday bunker, bunkers where the mega rich will hide from the apocalypse, okay? Now, this is it. Oh, I want to close that out. Those are my email addresses on it. Now, this was interesting, right? This is the Daily Star. But how about this? Do you guys know who Douglas Rushkoff is? Anybody know who Douglas Rushkoff is? So Douglas Rushkoff is an author, journalist. Douglas Rushkoff was, uh, he's kind of like always talked about um, technological freedom, the progression towards a technological society. And he does a lot of consulting and writing on how this technological world will unravel. He's wrote this book called Survival of the Richest, Escape Fantasies of the Tech Billionaires. See, Douglas Rushkoff was invited to this uh, seminar with five Silicon Valley or big tech billionaires. Okay? Doesn't name who they are, but he goes through a series of things and he shows up at this room and he's sitting there consulting and there's five of these tech billionaires in there. And they start out with simple questions, you know, Bitcoin or Ethereum. They start out with simple questions as, you know, what, what, what type of financial economic system do you foresee? Is it the metaverse or is it going to be like a, an extraverse, a, you know, um, virtual reality or augmented reality, these types of things. Then their questions started talking about um, what is the best scenario for doomsday bunkers in the advent of World War III breaking out or nuclear war? Uh, many of these Silicon Valley guys had already proclaimed that they have, they have doomsday bunkers. They've hired multiple teams of security, including prior SOF, uh, Special Operation Forces guys, to go out there. A lot of the questions they're asking is, how do we stop our security details from turning on us during the apocalypse? Okay? Now, what does that mean? That means that the rich and the wealthy foresee something occurring in the near future to where they're going to have to hide. Hmm. Now, that is in the dystopian World Economic Forum, Bilderberg Group, New World Order Implementation. So I, I saw that uh, Diane said this, this, doesn't, this isn't encouraging whatsoever. Diane, hold off, right? This is the perspective. So I understand where these billionaires are coming. This is the perspective is if the World Economic Forum, Agenda 2030, Agenda 2050, the Great Reset, right? If this all gets implemented the way that they want it to unravel, this is going to lead most likely to systematic global collapse, financial collapse. There will be famine, Great Depression, these types of things. This is the scenario that they're talking about. I don't think it's going to go that way. I believe that what's going to happen is that we have a rising of the BRICS nation faction 
which is coming up that is pressing against the Anglo-Saxon faction, this the Western Nations faction, the Five Eyes faction, Europe, Australia, Canada, United States, right? And those two are basically fighting against each other psychologically, socially, environmentally, economically right now. And that is spilling out into the streets and that eventually will go kinetic, okay? That'll eventually go kinetic, now, when that goes kinetic, now you're going to have the advent of World War III, this type of thing. Although, my perspective, or from what I've heard and know, is that the United States proper, our, our country, actually stays out of this. This is the point to get these American first Republicans in there to start the investigations, to start that transition, is when a global type of conflict incurs that they basically say, hey, look, we can't help you guys. We got to fix our own problems here at home. And that's when this all begins. So I, I wouldn't worry too much about the outcome. The effect on you is if you prepared for this, if you have, you know, Cash, gold, and silver, if you're understanding the new financial systems and where those are headed, if you if you have emergency food supplies, all these different things, um, I don't think it's going to be long incurred. But who knows what's going to happen? I mean, you know, the globalists could win and then we're all screwed. I'm choking. Oh, goodness. That's probably one of the best investments that you're going to be able to do here in the near future. Start investing in clean water companies. All right, what do we got here? Talked about that one. Gateway pundit here. Gaslight Queen, Karine Jean-Pierre insists Joe Biden's Moloch speech where he labeled half the country enemies of states was non-decisive. It was non-decisive. That's right. When you go back to the speech, uh, his speech last Thursday, uh, have talked about... Uh, if it was divisive, it wasn't divisive. When you Oh, really? It, it wasn't divisive, huh? Pretty sure it was. I mean, he called us extremists and terrorists, but hey, you know, what do we know? But then we have this type of rhetoric as well. Former Secretary of Defense, this is former Secretary of Defense Cohen, William Cohen. Um, classified document investigation confirms Trump is clear and present threat to our democracy. And this is just deep staters, guys. So who is uh, Bill Cohen? He's the former Secretary of Defense under Bill Clinton. Why is that important? If you did not catch the Dark Delight show earlier, I wrap this all together, okay? Hillary Clinton, Bill Cohen, Bill Clinton. Why does Bill Cohen matter? Because Bill Clinton came into power and immediately decimated our United States military did, did the same thing that Barack Obama did. He got rid of all these conservative generals and admirals. He downsized the military. But there's a few other things that Bill Clinton did that really, really matter pertaining to the documents that were found in Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago, potentially, that dealt with Iran. They all tie back and lead back. It's this one big loop, okay? The Monica Lewinsky scandal, right, was basically a smear campaign, was basically a scandal created by them, the Democrats, to cover up what Bill Clinton and Congress had actually done from the American people. Does anybody remember this? They gave military secrets to China in the 1990s. Remember they gave North Korea nine nukes? Remember they sold military secrets to China? 
And all of a sudden, there was getting out into the public an investigation, and then all of a sudden, Bill Clinton got a blowjob in the Oval Office with cigars, and that became top news? Hmm. That was the original start, I guess, if you want to call it about that. Right? And then that unfolds, and then we have Barack Obama come in. We have the selling of nuclear secrets. We have the Uranium One scandal, which everything that they're talking right now with these documents that President Trump had pertaining to nuclear capabilities was pertaining to the Uranium One scandal, most likely, in the sense of how Hillary Clinton was selling uranium to Russia through Canada, a a company partly owned by Justin Trudeau, that uranium was being sent to Russia. Russia was divvying it up, sending part of it to Iran, sending the other part to Ukraine. They're building nuclear weapons under Ukrainian nuclear facilities. And this caused for the coup in 2014 by the United States deep state of Ukraine taking back those facilities and that uranium. This pissed off Russia. Russia went back in just recently. Okay, so this is kind of like this evolving perspective of what the hell's really happening. All of this relates back to the reverse engineering or the development of highly advanced technologies and these technologies being sold off to foreign adversaries. When you look back on it. Right. And, and the, the whole Ukraine thing goes much, much. De- I actually um, bioclandestine put out some interesting information today. He was talking about uh, the International Atomic Energy Agency, IAEA, the U.N. International Nuclear Watchdog, just finished a report pertaining the ongoing investigation into Iran's nuclear weapon stockpile. They just confirmed that it's a growing investigation. Iran's near uh, weapons grade uranium stock grows probe stuck IAEA reports. He then goes to say, what does this mean? It means that not even, um, it means that even though Obama gave Iran $150 plus million taxpayer dollars cash not to make nuclear weapons, they did it anyway. Anons knew this anyway. But why are the IAEA in Iran now? Why are they probing Iran's nuclear weapons now? Iran deal in the U.S. news cycle. Mar-a-Lago docs about the Iran deal. There must be a connection between the IAEA investigation in Iran and the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. Trump confirmed to us that the docs in question were about the Iran deal. The dates on the photos confirm it was about the Iran deal. And coincidentally, the UN nuclear watchdog was conducting an investigation into Iran's nuclear production. At the same time, the FBI needed Trump's private documents pertaining to Obama's Iran deal. Something is up. If we remember, Paul Sperry put out, Sources tell me Biden DOJ was after Trump papers on Iran, particularly info about dismantling Obama's Iran nuke deal. So this, so this is the, the perspective. He missed something here. He also missed that U.N. nuclear regulators, regulators, IAEA, are in Ukraine trying to regain control and power over the Ukrainian nuclear facilities, saying that they are destabilized and that NATO needs to move in. Ukraine has been shelling their own nuclear plants on the outer perimeters to produce these leaks to basically blame it on Russia so they can move forward the proxy war. Okay, the question then comes. Why the hell is Russia in the special military operation to free Donetsk and Lutetsk regions from the genocide that was being committed by the biolabs of the genetically targeted bioweapons in Ukraine? Why did they take over all the nuclear facilities? Go back to 2011 when Russia was receiving U.S. uranium from Hillary Clinton, who Hillary was going to set up Russia... Right. To basically kick off the 16 year plan, the two year war with Russia and then the release of a bioweapon. This we knew back in 2010 with the Rockefeller plan. Right. So 
if we go back to 2011, Russia makes friends with Ukraine. Where do you build a nuclear weapon in Ukraine that is for Russia? You do it under Chernobyl. You do it under the nuke plants because it hides the radioactive signature of that uranium that the United States was tracking during that time. So both of these situations basically lead back directly to the Uranium One scandal. What were the documents that Donald Trump had? Well, he actually told us specifically when it first came out that it was nuclear materials, Donald Trump tweeted something or truth something. And he said, what about the 33 million documents that Barack Obama had that most of them were said classified on them and pertain to the word nuclear? He's talking, then he goes, oh, and Barack Obama had zero scandals, by the way. So these are the two hints, the scandals Barack Obama had. Benghazi, Fast and Furious, Uranium One, there's your nuclear one. Uranium One, selling U.S. uranium through Canada proxy to Russia. Russia giving it to Iran to develop nuclear facilities and nuclear bombs. And then Russia taking any excess and going and doing a special weapons program in Ukraine. How do we know this? Hillary Clinton in 2015 ran on the platform that we're going to go after Vladimir Putin because he's building nuclear weapons. Remember? She came out and said, Vladimir Putin is building nuclear weapons. We need nuclear proliferation. Vladimir, if you keep on building nuclear weapons, we're going to put up a missile defense shield in Ukraine, in Poland, and in Turkey. And Putin said, well, we'll just go to war if you do that. See how that all unfolded? So... What we're really talking about now, why the IAEA investigators are in Iran, they're probably testing their uranium and seeing that, oh shit, this is United States uranium. How are they getting United States uranium? This leads back to uranium one. Donald Trump might've had something to do with this. I don't know. This. Huh? Who's he talking about? I don't know about that conversation, but if that dude's talking about me, you can get the, the fuck out of here. But anyways, if he thinks, if someone thinks I'm just rambling on, you're absolutely fucking clueless to the state of the world. So, Uranium One occurs. We have all this uranium being exchanged and traded with Russia to Iran to Ukraine. Okay. Russia's utilizing it to build weapons in Ukraine under nuclear facilities. This is why Russia went back in in 2022 and took over the nuclear facilities because the United States had formed a coup in 2014 to retain them because we know that the deep state, the cabal had wanted to basically create their own arsenal and their own weapons. If we remember during the 2020 election, Donald Trump in uh, what was it? January, 2021 reinitiated three emergency clauses from FEMA that were two years old and renegotiated funding for them. This was in a few different areas, Louisiana, Utah, and Connecticut, as well as Washington, D.C. Now, why was that important? Because the rumor during the 2020 election is the reason that they silenced Donald Trump right after the election is because they had dirty bombs placed throughout the United States. We know for a long time that various terrorist organizations have dirty bombs placed throughout the United States. Uh, the great places to have these would be places like the Mississippi Delta in Louisiana, um, Washington, D.C. We know that in January 5th, 
2021 that there was a radiation leak at the neutron reactor in Bethesda, Maryland. And this was my indication that that's probably where one of those dirty nukes was because if you wanted to take out the whole eastern seaboard and you wanted to make sure Donald Trump didn't do anything, that's where you would put it. Got to remember, these people would scorch the earth. Now, here's the thing. Where would they get that? Well, they would have to develop it. Well, they stole it from Russian technology that Russia was utilizing American uranium to develop this stuff under these nuclear power plants within Ukraine. And they took it back in 2014. And so when we look at what um, BioClandestine is talking about here, well, why is the IAEA in Iran checking this out, investigating this? What are the documents that the deep state is going after Donald Trump for? This is what ties it all together. It's these scandals. It's this deep state collaboration of selling U.S. materials, U.S. weapons, U.S. military technology to foreign countries and how that affects the world currently and basically the funding of a private military and a private arsenal for the globalists and the cabal. The for, yep, for the one world government. That's exactly it. So that's another perspective. So why do I say that nothing can stop what's coming? Because we have reached this tipping point, this stability point to where the world is about to go one way or the other. It's at a certain point of vulnerability. There is no turning back. We can't go back and reset the clocks and do it all over again. And so we know something is going to happen here within the next few months. It has to. The reason it has to is because tensions are just way too high. Social, political, cultural, you know, in in households, right? So we're going to see something unfold here. Oh, man, my eye hurts. Sorry. We're going to see something unfold here in the next few months. Oh, I just got bright. All right. What do we got for news here? Um, Missouri versus Biden. So I I wanted to touch on all that. Nothing can stop what's coming, what this really meant. Uh, (laughs) William, if you can't be intelligent, at least be nice. No, William, you can just get the fuck out. Like, I don't fuck around. You want to be a dick? Get out, dude. You you obviously want your own platform. Go get your own platform and do what you want to do, buddy. Have fun. All right. Another win, Missouri versus Biden lawsuit. Federal judge orders White House, Fauci, NIAID, and HHS to turn over hidden communications with big tech. This is a massive win, especially when these documents do get released. We're going to see the the collusion, the collusion that our federal government, that people like Fauci did with big tech to censor what they believe to be truth or to censor what we believe to be truth and what they believe to be propaganda. Knowing, wholly knowing that the information that they were propagating was absolutely false. Okay. This is the setup of treason. This is good stuff. This is really good stuff. And the reason I say this is good stuff, because this shows that these people are not immune, that these people, um, that, that, that justice still can be served, that we still have power, that the state's rights are not completely vanquished, that, that 
The state's rights are still infused within the Constitution, and they have power over the federal government. That's what this shows, and that's a good thing. Biden Energy Secretary says California is in the lead on energy. Meanwhile, Governor Newsom is begging people not to use appliances to avoid blackouts. The, uh, the ultimate hypocrisy, the ultimate irony of the situation. The, these people are just, you know, the Green New Deal, Green Energy people, these people are fucking retards, man. And I'll probably get kicked off of a lot of platforms for saying that, but these people are absolutely pathetic. They have absolutely zero clue of how the world operates. The sun charges it and it charges my battery and everything is so great. You know, really, what, what creates that battery? I don't know. What, what creates that solar panel? Well, I don't know. What makes that wind turbine going around? I don't know. People are, some people are fucking idiots, right? <laughs> oh, man. I hope I don't get deleted with that shit. But anyways, so we have California like, man, we're going to get rid of all gas, gas vehicles by, uh, by 2035. We're going to go completely electric. Really? How are you going to charge all that stuff? Oh, we're going to turn on the generators and we're going to charge them up. Oh, what runs that generators? Oh, you know, um, well, well you know, coal, 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 ga- gasoline, gasoline. Oh, so it's okay for you to do that to keep the electricity going, but, you know, you want us all to transition the solar powers and wind turbines. Yeah, yeah, that's right, because it's better for the, the planet, you know, the carbon, the carbon aggregation. You know, I, I've kind of uncovered this grand conspiracy behind global warming. Not the, the, not the tax thing or anything like that. Something much, much deeper and darker. And it, it's pretty, you know, if we don't have a guest this Friday, I might bring on a friend and we'll talk about it. Because there's a lot of ideas here, but um, I don't know. It, it, it's, I've kind of unraveled this conspiracy that is spiritual in nature. But it blows your mind when you start to see the evidence substantiating it. And you start seeing all the, the various things that relate to it. It's just mind-blowing. But I'm, I'm putting, so this is actually part of like the Slave Matrix. I might rename it a little bit. But this is kind of what we've been building for the last few months and the research aspect of it. But I, hopefully when it comes out, you guys enjoy it. Uh, residents are fleeing California. Absolutely. They're coming to Colorado, unfortunately. <laughs> Hey, we got to get out of California. Newsom's a crazy lunatic with liberal policies. Man, I didn't vote for this. And they come to Colorado and go, we want green energy. We want more vegan food. We want mystery burgers. I don't know. And then you get things like this. Mass die off in San Francisco Bay caused by human sewage runoff. Oh, well, you know, how healthy. Go swimming in San Francisco Bay. Uh, we're going to focus on the here and now. Let's listen to this one. This is this is good stuff right here. A follow-up about the MAGA Republican attention. So if we're all in agreement that it is incorrect to say the 2020 election was stolen, what about the 2016 election? Look, <laughs> I'm not going to go back to where we were or what happened in 2016. We're going to focus on the here and now. We're going to focus on what's happening today. Uh, this inflection point that the president pointed out uh, very clearly, very decisively uh, in, in a few speeches about what the country needs to do at this time. To Oh, God. Deucey does it again. And he's absolutely spot on. 
He goes, you know, you guys are yelling at MAGA for being angry because they're saying that the 2020 election was stolen, but, you know, nobody was saying the same thing in 2016. Congress actually investigated it. Hmm. Good point, Deucey. Uh, Looking at the projections here, Democrats are slightly favored to win the Senate. Here we go again. Now they're saying 70% chance that the Senate, that the, uh, the Democrats win by just a narrow margin. By just a narrow margin. So we have a 70% chance that they're going to control 50, what is it, 52, 48, 51, 49, right? In the most possible scenarios. But out of those scenarios, there's a few scenarios where Republicans do win. And I do think, truthfully, Republicans will win. Uh, voter fraud hob. The last uh, East Lansing, Michigan, 2020, 276 ballots cast from close MSU dorms. 11 middle-aged women registered to vote at all-male fraternity houses. 47 ballots cast from addresses that don't exist and multiple dead voters. And we're seeing the massive amount of voter fraud sprung up everywhere right now. And it's interesting how all of this is coming to the head directly right before uh, the deadline, the September 15th deadline, as well as right before the midterm elections. Project Veritas, Democrat, South Carolina, U.S. Senate candidate, Crystal Matthews. You got to treat white people like shit. Oh, well, that's not racist. Wow. Talk about thinking that we're animals. That is one racist piece of shit right there. (laughs) I couldn't have said it better myself. She's racist. Unbelievable, man. So, U.S. Senate candidate saying you got to treat white people like shit. She goes, I got them under my thumb right there. And if you don't, then, then they'll act like children. All right, here comes the interesting news. COVID vaccines up to 100 times more likely to cause a serious injury to young adults than prevent it, says top scientist. This was uh, university COVID-19 vaccine mandates are unethical. I agree with that. The study, whose doctors include Dr. Kevin Bardosh, recipient of funding from the pro- uh, pro-vaccination Welcome Trust, led by Sir Jeremy Farrar um, and Dr. Tracy Beth Huag of the Florida Department of Health, prevents a risk-benefit assessment to boosters among people of student age and provides five ethical arguments against mandates. The researchers estimate that 22,000 to 30,000 previously uninfected adults aged 18 to 29 must be boosted with mRNA vaccine to prevent just one COVID-19 hospitalization. In the study, which is currently undergoing peer review, the authors analyzed CDC and reported the adverse event data to find that booster mandates are likely the cause a net expected harm. They estimate that for every COVID-19 hospitalization prevented in previously unaffected young adults, 18 to 98 serious adverse reactions will occur, including 1.7 to 3.0 booster-associated myocarditis cases in males, 1,373 to 3,234 cases of serious energy injury, which interferes with daily activity. Boom, 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 boom. And then we get this one. Metal-like objects found in 94% of group who had symptoms after taking mRNA vaccines. This is in the Epoch Times, okay? This is the video right here. We're seeing those metallic items right there. This is what healthy blood looks like on the left. This is what COVID vaccine blood looks like on the right. 
Three Italian surgeons conducted a study analyzing blood from 1,006 people who developed symptoms after they got the Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna mRNA injections and found 94% of them have an aggregation of erythrocytes and the presence of particles of various shapes and sizes of unclear origin one month after inoculation. Uh, the erythrocytes are a type of red blood cell that carries oxygen and carbon dioxide. What seems plain enough is that metallic particles resembling graphene oxide and possibly other metallic compounds have been included in the cocktail of whatever the manufacturers have seen fit to put in the so-called mRNA vaccines, the authors wrote in the study of discussions and conclusions. Uh, Franco Giovanni, Riccardo Benzi Cipelli, and uh, Gia Palalo Pisano are the surgeons who authored the study, which was published on August 12th in the International Journey of Vaccine Theory, Practice, and Research. They said the results are very similar to the findings of Korean doctors Young Mi Lee and Soon Young Park and Ki Yob Yong, titled Four Materials and Blood Samples of Recipients of COVID-19 Vaccines, but that their 1,006 subjects represent a much larger sample. It could be claimed that except for our innovative application of dark field microscopy to mark the foreign metal-like objects in the blood of mRNA injections from the Pfizer Moderna, we have replicated a blood work of the Korean doctors with a much larger sample, the Italian surgeons wrote. Our findings, however, are bolstered by the parallel analysis of the fluids in virals of mRNA concoctions alongside centrifugal plasma samples from the cases they studied intensely. Further studies are needed to define the exact nature of the particles. Okay, so why is... So th there's two key points here, okay? The erythrocytes are a type of red blood cell that carries Oxygen and carbon dioxide. Important. They analyzed the blood from 1,006 people who developed symptoms after they got the vaccine. They had an aggregation of erythrocytes and a presence of particles of various shapes. An aggregation, right? So disruption within those systems. And then they had this. Well, do you know how your body carries oxygen and carbon dioxide? It's electrically through the heme group, through the hemoglobin, right? Okay, what is graphene oxide? It's a conductor. It produces electricity. What are they doing? They're reducing the oxygen concentrations within your blood to slowly kill you and kill off your immune system. I think someone's going to understand what I'm talking about here. And that has everything to do with what we've been talking about in the sense of this other type of research I've been doing. But yeah, I wanted to touch on that one because I think that's kind of important. Embalmers have found foot-long clots in dead bodies of the fully vaccinated. This is just absolutely disgusting. Bodies keep piling up, and many of them are loaded with clots that are sometimes more than a foot long. Embalmers all around the world have seen a sharp uptick in fibrous and rubbery clotting ever since Operation Warp Speed was launched. Fully vaccinated bodies are reportedly having to be dredged of these clots, which do not appear to be made from blood. We just saw a report the other day of a 18-year-old varsity high school football player who had a one-foot clot removed from his leg and completely ruined the rest of his athletic life. Unbelievable. Force majeure, massive global shutdowns are now underway for metal smelting operations covering iron, copper, nickel, aluminum, zinc, and steel. The U.S. and EU have increased their uptick of purchasing of zinc, copper, um, nickel, and these other metals from Russia during this whole ordeal. So what we're about to see here is why do countries begin shutting down 
all these plants or production or exports because war is coming. These are massive war materials. A list of 30 thing, 33 things you need to know about the coming food shortages. Number one, a hard red winter wheat crop in the United States this year was the smallest since 1963. But in 1963, there are only 182 million people living in this nation. Today, our population is 329 million. Number two, it is being projected that the rice harvest in California will be half of what it was a normal year. Number three, the U.S. tomato harvest will come in at just 10.5 million tons in 2022. That is over a million tons lower than the normal year. Number four, this will be the worst U.S. corn harvest in at least a decade. Number five, year-to-date shipments of carrots in the United States are down 45%. Six, year-to-date shipments of sweet corn in the United States are down 20%. Seven, year-to-date shipments of sweet potatoes in the United States are down 13%. Eight, Year-to-date shipments of celery, down 11%. Nine, total peach production in the U.S. is down 15%. Ten, almost three-fourths of U.S. farmers say that the year's drought is hurting their harvest. Eleven, thanks to the endless drought, the total number of cattle in Oregon is down 41%. Twelve, thanks to the endless drought, the total number of cattle in New Mexico, 43%. Drought, cattle in Texas, down 50%. One beef producer in Oklahoma is now predicting that ground beef could eventually top $50 a pound. At least 40% of the United States have been suffering from drought conditions 101 consecutive weeks. Overall, this is the worst multi-year mega drought in the United States in over 1,200 years. Europe is currently experiencing the worst drought that is seen in 500 years. In some parts of Central Europe, river levels have fallen so low that hunger stones are being revealed for the first time in centuries. Corn prediction for the entire EU could be down as much as one-fifth in 2022. We are being warned that there will be a crop loss in France up to 35%. It is being projected that crop losses in some areas of the UK could be as high as 50%. It is being reported that there will be crop losses up to 50% in some parts of Germany. Some farmers in Italy have already lost up to 80% of their harvest. In Eastern Africa, the endless drought has already resulted in the deaths of at least 7 million animals. In China, they are facing the worst drought they've ever experienced in recorded history. India normally accounts for 40% of the global rice trade, but we are being warned that the production in the country will be way down in 22, 2022 because of considerable rainfall deficits in key rice-producing states. 27, a third of the entire nation of Pakistan was underwater. Recent floods absolutely devastated the nation. Agricultural errors were hit particularly hard. A vast majority of the crops have been washed away. The prices of some fertilizers have tripled in 2021, while prices of other fertilizers have actually quadrupled. One payment company is reporting that a number of Americans using the app to take out short-term loans for groceries has risen by 95%. Demand at U.S. food banks is even worse than it was at the height of the COVID pandemic. The World Health Organization is telling us that millions of people in Africa are now potentially facing a very real possibility of starving to death. According to the World Food Program, 828 million people around the world go to bed hungry each night. Needless to say, the number will soon be much, much higher. The United, State, the United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres has publicly stated that he believes that it is likely there will be multiple famines in 2023. Just prepare, guys. <laughs> like I said, we're coming to this point of instability, of vulnerability to the global community. They have brought it to this point of collapse. Now you go back and you realize what they were saying about these globalists and their doomsday bunkers. This is why they're saying about their doomsday doomsday bunkers they know what the globalists are doing to bring the world to its knees and this is why we have the ability to understand that the patriots have to have a plan and this plan is going to be implemented during an offensive attack during this aspect so 
And Vince, thanks for putting that out there. Redpills.tv slash Patriot. If you guys are interested in survival supplies, My Patriot Supply, long and short-term food storage that lasts up to 25 years on the shelf, go to redpills.tv slash Patriot. That's My Patriot Supply. You don't need to use no codes. You just got to follow that link right there. But what is coming? Look, this stuff is going to come. Okay, nothing can stop what's coming. The question is, is what do patriotic people do? What do people like you and me do? And what do the people like who are working in the military on, uh, on and Trump and stuff like that, what do they do? That's where we fight back. And it's going to be a battle and it's going to be an uphill battle. But I do believe that we come victorious in this. That we do win this. So guys, God wins in the end. We win in the end. You know, it's going to be a tough road. We have a dark winter ahead of us. Everything that I just read to you is very, very real. And um, we need to prepare mentally, physically, psychologically, right? And so if you, if you guys need any help in anything else out there, you let me know. We'd be more than happy to point in the right direction. If you guys want to support us in any way, shape, or form, redpills.tv slash go. You can also go to givesendgo.com slash redpills. That's our Give, Send, Go campaign. As well as you can just go onto the socialredpill.com. You can choose any of the subscriptions on there to help support us. Or you can just get the free membership and just be a contributor on there, putting content and posting. That's great as well. Much appreciated for everybody out there watching this show tonight. Um, everybody on Pilled. Uh, were we even streaming on Pilled? Oh, okay, we are. <laughs> Sorry. I had to check it. Uh, the, the 600 that we got there on Rumble. Um, everybody else out there, the 300 we got between Facebook, DLive, and everybody else who will watch this. Much love, respect, God bless you guys. Thank you for all the donations that came in on DLive, on Pilled, and on Rumble. You guys are absolutely awesome. Uh, don't forget tomorrow we have the After Dark chat rescheduled from yesterday. That'll be tomorrow. That's a live Q&A with myself um, and everybody else on the Social Red Pill. You have to be a member of the Social Red Pill to join that. So socialredpill.com. Free member, you have to be a member to join in on that chat tomorrow night to Q&A with myself. And we got some other ones planned. I think David Whitehead and my, myself are going to do a town hall. Um, I'm on Melissa Redpill's show. I think uh, me and Melissa Redpill, are, she's going to be on our show next week. So Melissa Redpill, we got coming next week. We got a lot of other great guests coming on too as well. So I'm going to be doing an interview with Jason Shurka. I don't know if you guys know who he is. Pretty cool dude. Um, I got a... I'm going to be on Penny Shepard's show here very, very shortly. Uh, very, very busy. But much love, respect. God bless you guys. You guys take care. Um, hope you have a great day. And uh, we'll, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Good night.